welcome to the 206th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Cover cropping can be a lot like the weather. Everyone talks about it, but doing something about it, well, that's a whole nother story. There's wide agreement that planting covers like small grains, legumes, and brassicas between the regular corn and soybean growing seasons is good for soil health and builds the land's long-term resiliency. But in farm country, there are plenty of reasons to not try something new like cover cropping. Lack of information, weather issues, improper equipment. Those are just some of the excuses that are used for not seeding covers. But southeastern Minnesota farmer John Meyer didn't let a few meteorological and logistical obstacles stand in his way when he decided in early 2017 that he needed to try cover crops. That winter, he had attended a Land Stewardship Project Soil Builders Network workshop and had heard soil microbiologist Dr. Christine Nichols talk about the importance of getting living roots in the ground all year round. Just as importantly, at that workshop, Meyer talked to other farmers from his community who were having good luck with cover cropping. He decided he needed to stop procrastinating and take some action. So on a frigid March day, Meyer seeded 200 acres of oats on his soybean ground using a couple of old grain drills he pulled out of his shed. He had to run the drills over land that was covered in a couple inches of snow, and he stopped periodically to pull frozen mud off the equipment. No doubt this wasn't the easiest way to experiment with a different way of farming. But it ended up working so well that Meyer is now seriously committed to cover cropping on his 400-acre corn and soybean operation. Soil erosion and healthy soil are major concerns for him, and he's convinced that without having living roots in the ground year-round, he can't get the full benefits of the no-till system he uses. Since that snowbound seeding, Meyer has been attending other soil builder workshops and field days, gathering more information and inspiration for building soil health. By the fall of 2017, 100% of his tilled acres were seeded to cover crops. I recently talked to Meyer after a Soil Builders Network workshop about why he felt cover crops had to be added to his no-till system, the benefits he's already seen on his acres, and what advice he has for other farmers considering utilizing techniques that build soil health. It may be no surprise that Meyer is not a big advocate of waiting around until the perfect cover cropping moment reveals itself. I'm a cash crop farmer, corn and soybeans. I went totally no-till in 2000, fall of 2014, planted my first cover crops in the spring of 2017, and uh, last fall, the fall of 2017, I had 100% cover crop planted on all my acres. So you were doing no-till, you obviously care about, about keeping the soil in place, that kind of thing, but it sounds like you had kind of come to a realization that maybe that wasn't enough, that there needed to be a little bit more done underneath the surface and as well as on the surface there. Yeah, no-till gives you the benefit of not essentially evaporating the carbon that you've sequestered in the soil. It's always plants that sequester that carbon in the soil. But even with no-till, you can't add carbon to the soil faster than you're burning it up, really. And that's a hard one to sometimes understand, but that's the reality of the situation. The bacteria in the soil will actually, if they become too predominant, they will burn off carbon and it'll evaporate into the air. And so you can burn off more than you're actually sequestering. So the the solution then is to grow more on those acres and put it in the soil. Roots are the biggest advantage to sequestering carbon in the soil. So cover crops, especially in the off-season, are really important. Keep that live root in the soil 100% of the time, which supports all of that life that's in the soil. They're dependent on it. One of the things that we, at this workshop, 
been to a lot. You, I know you've been to a lot of these, and I've been to a lot of these. And uh, people get really excited, but then they go home and they go, "Well, that works for that guy who presented. Maybe he was from another state or whatever." Like they go home and they go, "I can't really do that at my place. I don't have the equipment. I don't have the the the, the right timing or whatever." But you told a story about how you had went to a workshop, I think, a year ago, and you went, "You know what? I'm going to do it. Find a way to do it by hook or crook." So. Just tell that story. I think it was, and you had some great photos, some great slides to show as well to kind of prove exactly the conditions you were doing it under. Well, I had gone to a land stewardship project meeting in Caledonia. Had a great speaker. Um, Yes, Christine Nichols, yes. Excellent about the mycorrhizal fungi in the soil and stuff. Really helps you to get a good understanding of that. Anyway, my cousin's kids were running some organic acres that they had planted cereal rye on in early November. This was in the middle of February, and that rye was out of the ground about an inch and a half, two inches that day. I was just shocked. I thought, I can't let these guys beat me at this, so I had to come up with a way. I pulled out my old 8300 drills out of the shed and filled them up with oats, and 10th of March, I planted 200 acres of oats on my soybean ground, and it all came beautifully, and it was wonderful. Just an old drill that was sitting in the shed that hadn't been used for 10 years, so nothing special. It can be done. Well, it's a little bit more special than you're saying, because the picture showed there was a couple inches of snow on the ground. It was pretty pretty darn cold that day. Yeah, it got down to seven below the night after I got done. So, I mean, the ground was absolutely frozen. There's no penetrating. I was just looking for some even way of distributing the seed on top of the soil and hopefully get it in under the snow, and then the snow will do the rest. You know, that's that's the beauty of nature. Kind of describe how that went the rest of the year then, that, that the oats came up and then you, what, did you plant corn in there then? or? Yeah. Yeah, the oats came up. It all came up beautifully. Then I planted my corn into it at the normal time. I'm going to say it was probably the somewhere between the 5th and the 10th. I think I finished planting corn on the 10th of May. The oats was probably about two-thirds of the way up to knee-high by that point. Then two weeks later, I went out and planted or put on uh, 140 pounds of urea per acre. And then about a week after that, I went and terminated the oats with my first pass of, of herbicide. My corn did fine, and it all worked out great. And I averaged across the whole farm that I had done this on um, about 210 bushels of the acre of corn with 140 pounds of hen. And you must have had excellent weed control, I would imagine. No, not really. <laughs> um, it, was, it was relatively good, but because I was concerned, I wanted to plant cover crop that fall. And so I cut back on the herbicides that I used. I had no, nothing out there ever that had any residual. Weed control is still a concern of mine. I'm trying to work on that and figure out a better way, and I've got ideas for that, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah that, you talk about ideas. Has that kind of inspired you then to take this a little further, or what's your, what's your future plans for cover cropping? Well, I'm always going to be cover cropping. I'm 100% confident of that. The varieties that I use might change. I did plant a mix this year on what will be going to corn, so I've got some legumes out there along with the cereal rye and some triticale. Yeah, I think we can probably do more like rolling down those covers to control weeds. I think we can do more interplanting. I think maybe we can get away without the herbicide if we are selective enough and successful enough with whatever cover crops we might use. I think that has potential. It's a little bit early in the process, but have you kind of taken a look at your, try to measure your soil health uh, benefits so far, or are you seeing, I guess, less runoff or any other kind of indicators that this is starting to kind of build that that's that's soil's resiliency a little bit yeah the biggest surprise to me i would say was that where i put those oats on the soybean ground and 
I've got soybeans right next to all my farmers in strips, so I had a what was a cornfield right next to what was a soybean field. The soybeans were going to corn, the corn stalks were going to go to beans, and I saw way more earthworm activity where I planted those oats on that soybean ground than there was in those corn stalks, which would be just the opposite of what I would have expected because there's more residue there to protect the soil and the earthworms in those corn stalks. I was really pleased. There's some really special things that oats do to the soil. What kind of, so are you on pretty hilly ground there, or is it pretty highly erosive? Yeah, I grew up down by southeast Minnesota by Caledonia, where it's really steep. I'd say I'm about half that steep on my farm, up by Stewartville, but it's still pretty rolly compared to most of the ground around me. I like to have the, the strips. I brought that with me when I came up from Caledonia, so. <laughs> Would you have any advice for somebody who is coming to this cold is a little bit intimidated, you know, they see somebody speak at a workshop, but they're not sure quite how to integrate it into their specific situation. I mean, any advice on kind of how to just take those first steps? I would start first, cereal rye is the easy thing to do in the in the fall. Just about everybody's doing that, but if you're concerned about it getting away on you in the spring, plant some oats in the fall early because it'll winter kill. You won't have any issues with it come spring, but you'll still do some marvelous things for the soil. Same way in the spring, oats is easier to control if you're planting it in the spring, you know, you can, get, you can use oats or cereal, right? It won't matter. The oats might be a better choice then, actually, I think. Um, the only reason you use cereal rye is because you can put it in the fall and it'll come back in the spring so you don't have to make a t uh, planting pass early in the spring trying to get it established and then tear it out right away. It starts up earlier, it gets a little more aggressive at getting going. In the but oats are a really easy place to start. The biggest advice, just get out there and do it. Mm -hmm. This is easy to do. Try it on a small area. Learn, learn the mistakes that the rest of us have done, you know. Go out and get to these meetings, talk to the guys that have been doing it, let them make the mistakes for you, and you can just do it. The reason that I planted the whole works, the whole farm, is because I've gotten to know a lot of guys in this, at these soil health meetings. And the experienced guys, they don't go out and do half a farm or a few, try it on a few acres anymore. When they rent a new farm, they just plant the whole farm. They know what they're doing. Mm. They're experienced and they're confident. So I build off of their confidence, basically. For more on the Land Stewardship Project's Soil Builders Network, see landstewardshipproject.org. There you'll find fact sheets, resources, videos, and information on upcoming workshops and field days. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Music.